Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring Sister Visa Decline. Good morning and happy Monday on the Cross-Border Interview Podcast. Uh, I'm going to make the worst pun I've ever done on this show. But all this week, it's going to be a drag of a week because all week we're talking drag queens and drag stars and the drag industry here in the city of Calgary and across the province of Alberta. And our first guest for Drag Week on the Cross Border Interview podcast is Sister Visa Declines. Visa, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, Visa, I got to ask the question that is going to start this whole week off. What is drag? Uh, well, they say that everything, you know, uh, everything is drag. Anything can be drag, but um, it's, it's you know, traditionally the art of uh, dressing as the opposite gender and, you know, performing or doing men. Um, you know, I think it got its, it got its roots from William Shakespeare in his uh, in his plays, he would have you know a script, and uh, behind it would have dressed as a girl, so drag, drag dressed as a girl, because um, back then I guess women weren't allowed to act or something like that, and uh, male actors often filled that role. So that's sort of where it came from. But uh, drag has morphed throughout the years and is uh, is such a huge uh, industry subculture, whatever you'd like to call it uh, nowadays. So. And what does drag yeah. mean to you? Um, well, for me, drag is a number of things. Drag is a creative outlet. Uh, drag is a form of entertainment. Drag is political. Drag is activism. Um, it's larger than life. And it is, it's, it, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a way to express my, myself creatively. Um, but it's also a, a way for me to give back. Um, you know, I use my, I use my job as a sister of perpetual indulgence to, to, you know, give back to charitable organizations and support causes that are important to me. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's huge. It's a lot of things. Um, and I like to sort of dip my toes into all sorts of subsets of drag. So, yeah. So before we go a little bit further, you just mentioned something that I am not aware of, and I think most of my listeners might not be aware of, but the sisterhood of the perpetual indulgence, who are they and what do they do? Uh, so the sisters of perpetual indulgence. They're, oh, is it uh, just sisters? The, the sisters, yeah. You oh, okay. can say the sisters. Um, some some people do. It's it's. There's no right or wrong, really. Okay. Um, the sisters, yeah. The sisters of perpetual indulgence are a. Um, we like to refer to ourselves as a 21st century order of queer nuns. Uh, we were founded back in San Francisco in 1979 on Easter Sunday, and um, it was basically a, a few a few gay men who had borrowed borrowed and not returned uh, some nuns habits from a convent to put on a sound of music play in Iowa. They put on a sound of music uh, performance in, in Iowa and then moved to San Francisco and took the habits with them. And they just decided well, we're going to put up, put on our nuns habits and go out into the Castro and uh, see what sort of trouble we can get into. And that's what, how the sisters were born um, today. They exist you know, all around the world on, I believe, four continents. Um, there are about 70 houses uh, in Canada and the United States. There's houses all over Europe, in Germany, France, um, Poland, uh, the Ukraine, 
the United Kingdom, they're in Australia, um, in South America, basically all over. And, uh, and they all exist as sort of as independent entities uh, with a, you know, all affiliated with, with, with the sisters. So. And what, what is the mission or the goal of the sisters of the perpetual indulgence? Yeah, of course. Um, so the, the, the goal is to expiate stigmatic guilt, spread joy, and to uh, serve our communities through habitual manifestation. So uh, breaking that down, obviously, it's to create joy, to make people smile, to bring joy to people's lives uh, through our caricatures that we do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, painted up or anything right now because it's a school night. But, uh, you know, if I'd had more time, uh, I would have a white, you know, white face all done up, very colorful and, and um, striking. Uh, and then we expiate stigmatic guilt. So we initially started out um, just for fun, but as, as the 80s happened and as the HIV and AIDS crisis happened, the sisters really took on a role of activism and advocacy in, um, in trying to secure funding to find a cure for HIV, um, promoting safer sex, and, and really putting pressure on the government of the time who, um, you know, I'm sure some of you know Ronald Reagan back in the 80s, refused to acknowledge that AIDS was even a thing for a number of years. And as a result of that, uh, several, several thousand people died because of that. Um, and, and so we took on that role of activism and advocacy, uh, throughout the eighties. And, um, you know, as the, as the AIDS crisis sort of leveled out, I mean, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, you know, we've, we've dipped our, our toes into other, into other causes that are important to the LGBTQIA plus community. So, um, you know, transgender rights, uh, things like that, um, you know, marriage, marriage rights, the list goes on and on and, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we kind of do it with a bit of a campy sort of uh, twist to it and, so, and, and have a little fun. So I've got to ask the, the, the million dollar question here, because uh, I, I've never heard of the organization Sister of the Perpetual Indulgence. And uh, usually if I don't hear about something, I, I, I try not to look it up on social media or the Internet, because you could go down a rabbit hole of uh, QAnon or whatever you want to talk about. Um, is <laughs> yeah. there like is it like a secret ritual society or is this sort of something that is open that any any drag performer can be part of? Well, not only any drag performer, anybody, period, can okay. become their perpetual indulgence. We have, um, like, we're not some secret society. We have, like I said, orders all over all over Canada, the United States, and, and, and around the world. Um, each independent, each house or order, or whatever you want to call it, convent, whatever, however you want to refer to it, um, is, a, is a registered charity, either a Canada CRA registered charitable organization, or in, in the United States, they are, um, you know, registered as a 501c3 organization. And um, we're open to everybody, you know, traditionally, it was gay men that sort of got involved. But we have, um, we have, you know, all, all genders represented, we have all sexualities, all religious backgrounds um you know there is no there is no uh prerequisite to join all you have to do is you know believe in the mission and values of the of the organization and commit to uh serving the community in that way so so what's the, yeah. what's, the what's the membership like here in the city of calgary well in calgary we're actually still in the process of sort of getting a house started um 
there isn't currently one. I'm actually a Vancouver sister. Uh, that's where I got my start. That's where I, I lived for most of my life. And uh, I sort of took on a missionary role as I came over to Calgary with the hopes of starting an org starting starting a chapter here one day. And that's something that's still in the works. Uh, we have, you know, a few about half a dozen people who are kind of interested in um, in making this happen and, you know, who are interested in giving back to the community and and expressing themselves creatively. Um, but like I said, you know, in Vancouver, I can speak for Vancouver, we had, um, you know, we had we had obviously gay men as members. We had, we have about 30 mem 30 ish members, I guess, in Vancouver and, um, from all walks of life. We have, we have members who are, um, who are younger. We have a member who just turned 75. We have, uh, female cisgender female members. We have members who we've had members in the past who have, um, who, who were Muslim, um, all, all related. Like I said, we, we welcome everybody. So, um, I, and, I, and that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say that that's sort of the, the the status quo. That's sort of the, the way it is all over the world. I mean, um, I think of the Victoria. Victoria has a house. Um, it's called the Order of the Moist Valley, and um, most of their members are are straight women. So, wow. it really varies from city to city. So, um, yeah. Getting back to drag for a second, I want to talk mm -hmm. about your start in the industry. Take me back okay. to that moment when you thought to yourself, um, I want to be a drag queen and I want to perform in front of a large crowd. How old were you then? Well, um, I was the ripe old age of, I don't know, 30, probably. <laughs> so um, I got my start about 10 years ago, I would say. And uh, it was, it was not an interest in doing drag so much. So um, we'll fast forward back when I was, you know, 21, 22, my sister actually was uh, in makeup art in makeup artistry school at Blanche McDonald. And as one of her projects, she had to do a, a man up in drag. And so I was that person being her, you know, her sibling and her, her gay sibling. Um, she thought it would be fun to put me in drag. So, you know, we raided my mom's closet and, uh, and got a bunch of stuff and she painted me up and it was it was fun you know we went and took photos and i had a fur coat on and it was it was great um and then nothing really ever happened of it and um you know several years later uh a friend of mine was uh in the process of transitioning and was doing a fundraiser for uh his top surgery and uh the fundraiser was basically like a virgin drag show first time in drag drag show uh and so i did drag again um with my sister helping me paint and um and, th and then that was that and at that time the vancouver sisters had had already formed and were existing and uh, my best friend was a part of them and was encouraging me to get involved and i was it was definitely something i was interested in um, I first sort of saw the sisters in a, I don't know if you're familiar with Margaret Cho, she nope. was Asian American comedian, um, really popular with the gays. And, uh, in one of her, in one of her, uh, filmed DVD specials, I think it was, I'm the one that I want or something like that. Um, you know, they were, they were showing the, the, the cameras were panning over the audience and in the front row uh, of the theater were a whole bunch of sisters of perpetual indulgence and they were striking in their, you know, their white face makeup and their giant headpieces and stuff. And I was just fascinated by that and was like, that's so cool. I want to do that. 
Um, and I had that exposure one time uh, in Seattle. Seattle's had a, had a sister's, uh, Seattle actually has two houses um, and they've been around since the 80s. And so I've, I actually got to meet sisters in the flesh uh, back in Seattle when I was young. So in the early 2000s and sort of got to be friends with them and chat with them and learn all about what they do. And, and then, um, you know, fast forward all these years later when, when the Vancouver house existed and I was like, yeah, I think I want to get involved. And, um, it was more, and it was more out of a, I want to do something to give back to the community. Uh, but you know, the fact that we get to paint our faces and go out and be fabulous and, and, uh, and, and cheeky and camp in the community, um, sort of makes it so much better. So, um, everything I've done, you know, and, and when I first started, I wasn't, it wasn't performing, wasn't something that was on my radar. Uh, it was only when I moved to Calgary in 2015, uh, that one of the community members here in Calgary basically told me that I had to perform. So I was at an event at a fundraiser for, um, for the Imperial Sovereign Court that exists here, as well as the, the, the gay rodeo when the gay rodeo was, was still held out in Strathmore. <laughs> And I showed up in drag, like as Visa, to this event, just there to lend support, help them sell 50-50, do whatever I needed to do. And uh, he came up to me and was like, so what are you performing? And I was like, uh, I'm not, I'm not performing. And he's like, to hell you aren't, you have 10 minutes to get a, a song together. And so I, in 10 minutes, had to come up with a performance. And that was my, that was sort of the like, the loss of my performance virginity, so to speak. And ever what, what since song? Then, uh, it was Kylie Minogue, Get Out of My Way. <laughs> I don't know if you know the song, but I, I love Kylie Minogue. She is my, you know, when everybody talks about their divas, they talk about Cher, Madonna, or whoever. Kylie is my diva. I love her. She is awesome. She puts, <laughs> she puts on a great show. So, and I knew the song really well because I love her so much. So it was, it was, you know, a relatively safe uh, choice for me. And, um, and it went over really well. And from there, I, I just kind of fell in love with performances and, you know, as nervous as it makes me a lot of the time, um, it's a lot of fun and, you know, I don't take myself too seriously and I just kind of get out there and have a good time. And that's honestly, that's the way it should be. We'll stick on the performance part here for a second because I know the 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 stereotype of a drag performer that I hear all the time is you're performers. That's all you do. You get up, you sing, you lip sync, and you get off, and you you're very camp. And I think that is because of the rise of RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag has become more mainstream. In your opinion. Drag, it sounds like drag isn't what you see on the TV, the quote unquote reality show that is RuPaul's Drag Race. No. What, what is this? What is the, what is a like, and I, I don't know how to ask this question correctly. So I apologize if I fumble this a bit, but what, what is the misinformation out there about the drag industry? Um, I think that's a big one is that we're all just performers and we don't really care about anything else. We just kind of go to put on a good show and that's, and, and that's that. Um, that's not what drag is about. Um, you know, it, it may be for some people, I don't know any drag queens that, that feel, feel that way. Um, as long as I've been around and out and going to gay bars and enjoying drag performances, um, drag queens are political. You know, they speak out about, about stuff that is, that is, um, that is not okay. You know, stuff that affects the queer community, you know, um, 
we were we were we were around for for the legalization of same-sex marriage in Canada and that was a huge battle and that's a battle that we won probably 10 or 11 years before they did in the United States and and um, so that has always been a big part of it um, you know speaking out on political issues that are important you know I think about I think about our current premier and <laughs> this is a contentious topic. I think about our current premier and, you know, back when he was in university in San Francisco, back in the, in the, in the nineties or eighties or whenever it was, um, he was actively fighting to take away the rights of, 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 um, same sex partners to visit their dying spouses, partners in the hospital during the AIDS crisis. And my organization, the sisters of perpetual indulgence were the ones outside fighting against that. And, and, um, it's always been political. It's not just about death drops. It's not just about, you know, about jump splits and, you know, lip sync for your life and all that. That is, that is an, an important part of drag. And, you know, I'm so grateful for shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and Dragula for, for bringing, um, drag to the mainstream, but it is just, it's so much more than that. Um, for, for those of us that are, that are involved in it, it's about charity. It's about community. It's about, um, it's about, you know, standing up for what's right. When you think about the Stonewall riots, you know, it was Marsha P. Johnson that threw the brick um, and started the riots. And, you know, she she was a transgender woman, but in, in kind of a drag persona and was just like, we've had enough. And, and, you know, so you think about it, that's historically, we were the ones that were kind of in the front of, of the crowds, you know, going, going, you know, shoulder to shoulder or ne neck, neck and neck with the, the people who were out seeking to hurt us and the police and the protesters and, you know, the Westboro Baptist church and, you know, all of that. So <laughs> we, uh, as much as we never want to talk politics when we're on the show talking about politics, but we're going to talk politics from time to time. I love talking politics talk politics all day exactly but day. but you you mentioned a good statement drag is about politics as well mm -hmm. you are from bc a more progressive area of bc vancouver victoria if you go to northern bc it may not be as progressive as lower mainland bc mm -hmm. yeah. let's be honest calgary's not that <laughs> We we did just elect our first female mayor. That's great. But mm -hmm. there is still an undertone of conservative right wing. Uh, not a lot of change is liked. Have you ever felt unsafe doing drag in the city of Calgary? Yes. How so? I have. Um, so I used to live in downtown Calgary. I live in Mount Royal now, which is a little bit of a different neighborhood, but I used to live in downtown Calgary, a block away from Crack Max. And um, if you know where that is, corner of 8th, 8th and 8th, or 7th and 8th, sort of by the C train. Um, anyways, it's, it's sort of a notoriously interesting sort of crime ridden area. There's lots of drug deals that go on and lots of, you know, all sorts of stuff happening there. And I wouldn't dare. This was before I had a car. And so I had to rely on Ubers and I had to rely on taxis to get me where I needed to go. And there is no way in hell I would have set foot outside of the door of the lobby of my building before that cab pulled up 
And even then, when you're getting into a taxi or an Uber, you don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what the person driving is is going to think of, of, you know, somebody who is well over seven feet with the heels and their headpiece on, you know, and a, and a beard, because I don't shave for drag, um, you know, getting into, into the back of their car. So there was always that element of uncertainty. And you know what, that's something that, um, that's something that women face on a daily basis. And, um, and, you know, as a cisgender male, it really gives me perspective being in this drag and like getting into a vehicle and, and sort of having those thoughts cross through my mind. Um, so yeah, as, as, as progressive as Calgary is, and, you know, I tell my friends all the time, Calgary isn't as bad as people think it is, you know, it's very progressive. Um, but there are those people out there that are, that, you know, support the UCP or support progressive or support more conservative causes um, you know, because of the economy, they say, oh, you know, it's about jobs and getting the economy going. And I'm, I'm sorry, you can't support, in my opinion, if you say that you support the queer community, you also, you can't support a party that creates policies that hurt your community. It doesn't matter if you, if you yourself are a, are a, you know, socially liberal and, and, and fiscally conservative, like that doesn't, that doesn't input putting, Putting money and jobs above people is is never really a good idea, in my opinion. This might be a touchy subject, but I'm going to ask it. Um, <laughs> have you ever been assaulted or attacked while in drag? Um, if you don't, more- if you don't want to talk about it, I understand. But I just because I want I want to know because if there's an eight, 17 year old kid right now who's watching this or listening to this and saying, I, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be the activist. I want to perform in drag. And I'm concerned because I, 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 I don't feel safe. And I'm not trying to paint this as a bad picture, but I want to give everyone who's listening the understanding that some drag queens, some drag artists have been attacked have been assaulted and i just want to know from your experience has that ever happened to you um i have never been i have never been physically attacked or assaulted um that being said you know you have your fair share of idiots that will drive down the street and shout something out of their car window as they're going by you know verbal verbal assaults and whatnot um that being said you know we have a policy as sisters um, and it really should sort of extend to the to you know the rest of the drag community. We don't go out by ourselves. We go out in groups. We um, you know we're always in a group of two at least. And not only that, and you know I probably hopefully won't get in trouble for saying this. I carry a fan around that is heavy. It's made of metal. It's like a metal Chinese hand fan. And if I needed to, I would use it as a weapon in a minute to protect myself. It's really just about being safe and and sort of being aware of your surroundings and you know making sure that you that you let a, a friend know where you're going or where you are um, or better yet have someone accompany you. So you're relatively new to the city of Calgary, uh, a little bit uh, new, a little bit older, uh, new to the city than I am. I just moved here in 2019. You've been here for a few years. Mm-hmm. Was it was it hard because when okay so for anyone who's watching this right now and anyone listening to this i'm gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna be the typical bad gay and if you want to send me hate mail please send it to my inbox and i will totally 
file it in the appropriate location. My first ever drag show that I ever went to mm-hmm. was hosted by Miss Visa Decline, Sister Visa Decline, right here. This was in August of this year. This was literally three months, uh, September of August of this year. So literally oh, no. September. Oh, no, it was August. It was August. It was yeah, no, last, August. last Monday of August. Yes. Yeah. This, it was my very first drag show. I had lived in downtown Toronto, never went. I just recently moved here. Uh, my husband and I live in the Northeast. I had never been to a show. I had only seen the the RuPaul version of drag. So I was not, not sure what I was going to go and get. I enjoyed myself immensely. Uh, Visa, you put on an amazing show with Jessica, who's another guest who's going to be on tomorrow, and Chaos. What I found, though, is... The community is so tight knit because the reason you were there is because we were holding an event and you and I were the ones that were in back and forth. And when you said, I'll find a few queens for you or drag queens for you, drag artists, you called them up and like 10 minutes later, you had some artists for me. I was like, holy, when you moved here, was it that tight knit or has it become more tight knit the longer you've been in the community? Well, I definitely think that the longer that I've lived here, the more relationships I've been able to build. Um, but I think our community has by um, necessity always been fairly tight knit. Um, you know, I think back to Vancouver, I'm still very tight with lots of people in Vancouver. Um, and when I came here, you know, I, I, I knew some people and uh, it was really easy to to meet and get to know people. Um, I I thought that Calgary was sort of very welcoming in that way, maybe even more so than Vancouver um, would have been. In Vancouver, it's sort of notoriously hard to form relationships, okay. just because they have that. It has that reputation. Um, you know, I the thing about our community is that we you know, especially as, as Queens, um, a lot of us do things for, for charitable, for charitable groups. So sort of, sort of like the sisters, but we also have, you know, a very robust Imperial court system across North America. Um, which, Calgary, which I'm, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later because you've mentioned that twice sure. and I still don't know what that means. So continue on, then we'll talk about the court system. So the Imperial court system as well exists. And, you know, part of that is it's it's sort of a similar premise to the sisters. There there are courts all over all over North America, and every year the every year each court holds a charity fundraising ball, and people from all the other courts around North America go to the one city to to go to their ball. So um, because of that, I had already known people from Calgary. So okay. it was maybe a little bit easier to get to know people for me. But um, you know. I found that all in all, like people here were very friendly and, and, and so it wasn't hard to make friends and get to know people. Looking to get your message out? Looking to get your product heard about? Have an upcoming event in the province of Alberta. For as low as $50 per week, you can now advertise on the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Reach out today by visiting www.crossborderinterviews.ca and click on Advertise Now. If you book your advertisement during the month of December, you will get 50% off. Now, let's get back to the episode. 
I can't believe I've gotten almost 30 minutes into this interview with ask, with, without asking my second question I should have asked. <laughs> Who is Visa Decline? Who is Sister Visa Decline? Oh my God, that's such a loaded question. Um, and how did the name come about? Well, Visa Decline is kind of like the, the, the actual status of my credit card most of the time. So that's kind of where I got that name from. Um, but as far as me, um, I don't know. I'm just me. Like there's, there's no, honestly, there's no special story. There's no, um, there's no big history. I'm just, uh, I, you know, I grew up in the Vancouver area, the greater Vancouver area, um, you know, had a relatively, had a relatively good upbringing. No, no tragic stories. You know, I was bullied in high school, just like every other, other, other gay kid, probably, um, but nothing that, nothing terrible, nothing terrible for me. Um, you know, I have a very supportive family. I've got, I've got two sisters. I've got a stepsister, you know, my parents are both divorced and remarried and, um, you know, I've got a really supportive family, um, which I'm blessed to, to have. I know not everybody has that the way that I do, but, um, you know, my family was extremely supportive when I came out um, in my, in my first year of university. And, uh, and so I've had a really good experience in that, in that way. I haven't had, I don't have the, you know, the tragic story about being left behind at a bus stop, like, like some drag queens on RuPaul's drag race will, will tell you, you know, I don't have that sad sob story or anything like that. So I'm just me and I'm really, you know, really interested in politics and, uh, really interested in community and and that sort of has you know formed my existence i guess you could say um let's talk about family for a second sure you mentioned your sister was the first one to quote unquote paint your face your mm -hmm. family is accepting of you when you came out in university mm -hmm. are they accepting a visa decline Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, Oh my God. So my, my family comes to the, when we're having pride parades um, and I'm in Vancouver, I go back to Vancouver every year for pride and I march with my sisters and my family comes out, my sisters, my parents, my grandparents, they all come and watch me. Um, my, my grandparents have came to almost every single sister event we would have in Vancouver while I was there. Um, including some that they probably shouldn't have come to, you know, there was one where we were showing and we were doing a, like a movie screening. So one of the big things that the sisters like to do is we do like a sister act sing along sort of, you know, cause we're all nuns. Right. Yeah. So we do like a sister act sing along and that's all fine. But one year, one of my sisters decided she wanted to show um, before Christmas. I'm not sure if you're familiar with John, Wa John Waters. He's a filmmaker, his films, he made Hairspray, um, Pink Flamingos, Female yep. Trouble, uh, A Dirty Shame, yeah, uh, Cecil B. Mented, Serial Mom, all of those really twisted movies. Anyways, so we decided we were going to, or one of the sisters in, in my house decided she wanted to do a screening of Female Trouble, which is just this, you know, raunchy disgusting movie um and i don't know why they chose to do it at christmas there's this one scene where she, where where the main character wants cha-cha heels and doesn't get them and like throws a fit 
and it's 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 iconic. Um, but my grandparents showed up to this event, and I was surprised to see them. And I was like, uh, you know what we're showing, right? <laughs> and my grandma's like, well, it's not porno, is it? And I'm like, no, but it's just like one step away from that. And I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you ever have the experience, have had the experience of sitting next to like your parents or your grandparents or something uh, and watching a, you know, a racy sex scene in a movie or something like that. But that was basically what I had to experience for two hours. And it was so friggin' awkward. <laughs> but they came. It they were a good sport. My my grandma won the raffle, which was a sex toy. <laughs> it was great. Um, I'm I'm so glad about that because uh, yeah. as much as everyone has their own stories to tell, it's always to, it's always good from time to time to hear the good stories and when families accept mm -hmm. people for what they want to do and who they are. So good on your mother and your father and your even your grandparents for coming oh and, win it, <laughs> and winning that. But I want to. Talk I should mention. Oh, go ahead. Just really quickly, my family is 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 pretty religious as well. So you know, I I don't want to I don't want to um, take away from that. My family is really religious, which which shows me that you know there is a place for people who are of faith to accept accept their queer children, accept their queer family members, right? Was it hard to show visa decline to them? Because I, I can imagine just telling them is one thing, but actually letting your father or your mother or your grandparent see visa decline in all her glory would probably be a little bit different. No, not really. Okay. I mean, I, I, I wondered because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're making fun of nuns. And it's like, well, no, we're not making fun of nuns. We're emulating their, their charity and their, you know, people have that sort of image of what what a nun is in their head. And, you know, I know that things have sort of significantly changed in the last several years, especially with, you know, the discovery of, of bodies on residential schools and stuff like that. I know that that's been a really contentious point. And so we want to make sure that as, as sisters, um, that we're not uh, triggering, uh, you know, negative memories for, for our Indigenous uh, friends. Um, you know, things like that. But, but, you know, we kind of wondered and it's, it's, no, we're not, we're just, I don't know. We're not making fun of nuns. We're just kind of. So let's, let's talk about that for a second, because that is an actual <laughs> interesting statement you just made there, because I would never have thought of it that way. And yet again, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I've lived in a privileged world. I, 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 mm -hmm. I can pass as a straight white male and, um, yeah unless you see my husband and I together holding hands that you would assume that we're just friends. So I, I, yeah. I, I get it. And I, I, I understand that I have had privilege and I've been trying to give my, my platform to people who have never had privilege and need to have their voices heard. When you do perform, uh, when you do drag, is there a line that you won't cross? Because you you see on RuPaul's Drag Race the camp. There's always camp involved with drag, and yet again, and this is what I'm trying to break down the stereotype that is drag queens and drag performers because I think there's an understanding that hey RuPaul's Drag Race that's that's all that the drag community is. And so far in our half hour conversation, we've knocked that down mm -hmm. with the rise of so many 
I don't want to say canceled issues, uh, making fun of things. And even when you said the nun uh, uh, robes, I don't know what the, the nun outfit habit, habit yep. that you'd wear. It is sometimes can be contentious. Is there a moment when you have to think to yourself, okay, before I go on, am I going to potentially hurt someone by doing what I'm doing? Or do you go on expecting people to just enjoy themselves if they're at a performance of yours? Well, I mean, I think that I'm going to be, you know, there is a line, I think. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that for other, for, for everybody, the line is, is a little bit different. You know, I'm not going to perform anything that's going to depict violence or, or, or anything like that. Um, you know, we're certainly not going to do blackface. We're not going to do anything like that. Um, even though sometimes people talk about our white face, right? The sister white face that we wear, um, as, as, as being some sort of, you know, racially motivated thing. And, and it's really not, it's, um, it's more about anonymity, so to speak, you know, there are, there are several stories out there about why the white face exists, but it's about anonymity. It's about a clean slate and, you know, people seem when, when they see visa out and about, they think it's, it's visa. It's not Brandon, it's visa. Right. Um, and so any sort of preconceived notions or opinions that people might have about me as Brandon, they don't necessarily see as visa. Um, that being said, you know, we try to be very respectful um, you know, to all of our community members. And, you know, we try to sh show our support in, in ways big and small um, all the time, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, Black Lives Matters protests and stuff. We, we, we try to be there as allies um, and, and support that way, you know, front and center kind of thing. And, um, you know, same, same, same thing with, with Indigenous issues. You know, the, the Vancouver Abbey, um, is known as the Abbey of the Long Cedar Canoe. And our logo is actually like a First Nations sort of inspired logo. And we were actually given that name. We were given the name, the Abbey of the Long Cedar Canoe um, by a an elder in Vancouver. So, um, you know, we, we try to work with, with everybody. We work with every community because at the end of the day, that's who we support. We support our entire community. We, we support our, our trans siblings. We support our indigenous siblings. We support our black and, um, you know, brown siblings, everybody. So, um, there, there, there is, there is a line. Um, it's a little bit different for everybody. Like I said, it's, it's, it's hard, but you know, for me, if the song doesn't feel right, for example, when performing, then I'm not going to do it. It's just, you know, if it doesn't seem appropriate for the for the crowd, <laughs> then I'm not going to do it. So, I appreciate you know. your honesty and candor because it, sometimes these conversations can be difficult, but sometimes we need to have them, and we need to have them in an open forum where people can understand and learn and adapt and potentially go away with some type of education, even as even if well, it's a 45 minute education. Absolutely. And, 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 and I guess to add to that consent is, is a huge thing these days, especially right with the me too movement and stuff. And so that's another, another area, you know, you think about, um, gay culture in San Francisco 30 years ago, right. Um, they, they, they say, they basically used to say, uh, that groping somebody was like a San Francisco handshake. Right. And so that sort of stuff was appropriate 30 years ago. It's not appropriate now. And so 
um, you know, we, we've had those struggles in, in our organ within our organization as well, you know, older generations thinking that it's still appropriate to do that and younger generations saying that it's not. And so it's really hard to strike that balance. And, you know, as sisters, we take vows to expiate stigmatic guilt, to, um, you know, to spread joy and to reduce shame. And, um, you know, I've had that contentious issue over the years where it's like, how do we educate somebody in the community that what they're doing is not okay, but we do it in a way that's not going to, um, it's sort of counter, counter cancel culture, I guess we call it, you know, we don't want to alienate them. We don't want to make them, um, feel necessarily like they're the worst person in the world, but like, how do we educate them in a way that is, that gets the point across without making them feel like garbage? If that, if that makes sense, I guess sometimes people, you know, need to feel that way, but, <laughs> but, you know, talking to somebody about consent, it's not about, you know, going, you know, blowing your top and saying, I can't believe you touched me like that. Like that is so inappropriate, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's about saying like, keep your hands to yourself, you know, consent is sexy. Make sure that you ask next time, you know? And, and sort of doing, doing, doing things in a way that's a little bit more um, diplomatic, so to speak. And I, and I appreciate that, but I, I'm going to follow up on this. And this is Chris Brown talking sure. for the, um, sometimes you have to blow up at some people because sometimes the je- the nice, generous, uh, please consent is sexy. It's great, but please ask mm-hmm. next time. They don't get that the first time. So sometimes you have to be forceful. And uh, as much as oh, I absolutely. hate to say that, but in, in a kumbaya world that we hopefully will live in one day, we would not have this, be able to even have this conversation. But sometimes you have to be forceful and have that hard conversation and tough wording conversation with people. Absolutely. And I, yeah, it's really is a, a, um, it's a, I guess in the moment you have to assess whether something is um, a knowledge gap or just a, I could care less gap, you know, and go from there kind of thing. Right. Like, did you know that this isn't okay? Oh, you did. So you're just being a terrible person. Okay. You know, <laughs> okay. We I get it now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I try to, I try to, you know, I try to sort of walk that line every in everything that I do. And, you know, that extends out to my, to my work life and my personal life. And, you know, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but you know, if, if it's clear that they're not going to, going to get it, then, then yeah, I'll put on, I'll, now, I'll, I'll pull out the whip. <laughs> now. Okay. So I have said this on many episodes in the last few weeks because I've been having some tough conversations, but I want to learn and I'm trying to learn as well. I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Okay. It's it's probably going to be hard, but it might not be. You might go, why the hell do you think that was hard? Yeah, I'm an open book. Try me. Dating as a drag queen. Is it is it tricky to navigate the world of dating someone and opening up and saying, hey, I, I want to be with you, but please note that Friday nights, I'm not going to be going on a date with you because I'll be going down to the bar and putting on visa decline and doing my show. Huh. Well, um, <laughs> it can be, it can be hard. You know, I've been single for 10 years, so, um, I haven't really experienced that, that whole side of it necessarily, but 
you know, I know that there, there, there have been people out there that don't want to, that don't want to date a drag queen because for some reason they think that they think that we're going to be wearing our, our, our lipstick and our, our makeup in bed or something. And that's just not the case. Like maybe if you're into that, maybe, I don't know, but I was going to say, I've um, seen, I've seen some guys who do that and they don't do drag. So yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, 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 it can be, it can be a challenge, I think. And I think especially in places that are a little less progressive, that can be a challenge. Um, but I think that, like I said, with the sort of the rise of RuPaul's Drag Race and the sort of more mainstream um, direction that drag is taken, I think that that's less of an issue now than it was. But I, I'm sure it still definitely exists. But, um, you know, we, we all refer to that as toxic masculinity, right? Yeah. No, I, and I appreciate your honesty and I, hopefully I didn't put you in an awkward position to talk about it, but I, I, I like asking questions and if someone wants to say, no, I won't answer, I just cut it out of the show. <laughs> um, my last, well, yeah. my, my last question for you, uh, sister visa decline is this, I want you to talk to the young boy, the young girl, the young uh, non-binary uh, kid out there right now who's struggling, who's, Mm -hmm. who is saying, I want to do this. I live in a conservative area. Um, My parents would not accept me. I might be forced out of my house. Not like you, you had great parents who accepted you and were able to uh, uh, not, they, they, they accepted you. Let's just put it that way. What would you say to the, yeah. What would you say to the young children out there? And I don't say young, like five and six year olds. I'm talking about like 15 and 16 year olds who are on the cusp of their, their, uh, their sexual awakening. And they're, they're trying to figure out what they want to do. And they say, I want to, I want to perform. What advice would you give them right now for someone who's been in the industry for 10 years? I would say that, you know, you can be absolutely anything you want to be. And you know, I know that it's 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 tough living in a in a conservative household or in an area where people may not accept you for who you are, but um, things will get better. You know, and I know that that's a very a sort of cliche comment to make, but things will get better when you when you graduate high school and you move out and you go to university. That just opens up a whole um, a whole different world of opportunities for you, and and um, you know, move to a bigger city or whatever you need to do, but things, things always will get better. And just to hang in there and, you know, understand that there are supports out there for you, even if you're in a rural area, you know, there are, there are, are, are support groups on the internet. There are numbers you can call. There are, um, you know, chapters of P flag, which is parents, family, and friends of lesbians and gay everywhere. Um, and, and, and no matter where you are, it doesn't matter if you're in the smallest town or the biggest city, there is always somebody nearby that is going through the same thing that you're going through. So, um, you know, it'll always get better and, and really embrace that. You know, I know one of the big things that's, that's, that's come up in the last several years, there have been, there's like in Calgary every week, there's an all ages drag show where you'll have like seven, eight year old, nine year old, 10 year old drag queens performing. And, uh, you know, there are always those opportunities out there for you. Um, you know, sometimes you may have to wait a little bit longer, but don't give up because things will always get better. Um, 
for those who are listening and those who are watching Visa, how can people reach out to you? How can people follow you? And how can people learn a little bit more about the sister sister of perpetual indulgence? Of course. Well, I mean, I am on Facebook, Visa Decline, just like uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter as Sister Visa, as well as Instagram. You can always feel free to shoot me a message through there um, or follow me. And, um, and you know, if you're, if you're ever in, interested in searching out the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, just Google it. You'll find, you know, all the houses around the world, you know, type in Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Vancouver, for example, and our, our webpage will come up. You know, my email is there. If you want to shoot me an email, I'm around. And, you know, I really, I hope that, that, that people will reach out. Um, for everyone who's listening and watching, please note, as always, the information that Visa just talked about, her social media accounts are linked in the show notes. So please, if you're struggling, if you want to talk to someone who's been in the industry for 10 years, reach out to Sister Visa because um, they are a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like we've just scratched the surface here. I will say mm-hmm. this as my last closing statement to you, Visa. Um my husband doesn't even know I'm about to say this out loud and I can't believe I'm going to continue to say this, but I'm not continue, but I'm going to openly say this. He has since this, since our wedding in 2019 or 18 wanted to paint me up. I do not want to give him that power because I do. I I've seen him with a paintbrush and it's a bad experience. Um, If you are, I would pay if you are willing. <laughs> I want to get painted up so that way my husband can shut up and I can show him that, yes, I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone and yet, again, be a drag queen for one day. So, Visa, if you would do me the honor and paint me up one day in the near future, that would be an honor and a pleasure. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> and, you know, there actually are... Um... HIV Community Link puts on a really great event every year where it's a first time in drag fundraiser. So maybe that's something we can get you in on. They do it at Twisted Element. It's a lot of fun. Okay. So this is, uh, so I've until November 17th now to decide if I'm going to cut that part or not. But anyway, I probably won't. Visa, thank you so much for doing this. Um, for everyone here at the Cross Border Interview Podcast, have yourself a safe and uh, amazing rest of your Monday. Remember, it does get better. Reach out to Visa if you want to learn a little bit more about the industry, but also talk to her about the sister, Sisterhood of the uh, Perpetual Indulgence. I'm going to get that name right at least once before the end of this. Visa, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you very much. The Cross Border Interview Podcast is produced and edited by Miranda Brown & Associates, Incorporated. 